0: All right, well, we're going to be looking at the Psalms this morning. Next week, we're going to start a series on the church. But this week, we're going to look at Psalm 46. With us heading into a new year and so many unknowns of what the future might look like, I felt like it would be encouraging to all of us if we looked at this specific Psalm. Please open your Bibles and turn to Psalm 46, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. This is God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we open your word this morning, trusting that you will speak to us. We pray that you would encourage and correct us through your word, in your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, Psalm 46 has been a psalm of comfort for God's people throughout the ages. It was the great reformer of the church, Martin Luther's favorite psalm. He even wrote a hymn based off of Psalm 46 called, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. It has been said that in the darkest times Luther would turn to his friend Philip and say, Come, let us sing the 46th Psalm together. He also taught his church that we sing this Psalm to the praise of God because God is with us and powerfully and miraculously preserves and defends his church and his word against all fanatical spirits, against the gates of hell, against the hatred of the devil and against the assaults of the world, the flesh, and sin. The early church sang the psalms in their worship services as songs of comfort that reminded them of who God is. And it is my prayer that as we study this psalm together that you are comforted by the God that is revealed in these verses. This psalm is a song and it was intended to be sung by God's people. And it was written by one of the sons of Korah. The background of when and why it was written is unknown, but it was probably written after a military victory over an enemy nation that tried to take over the city of Jerusalem. Some commentators believe that it could have been written after the destruction of King Sennacherib during the reign of Hezekiah. You see that in 2 Kings chapters 18 and 19. But this psalm, it's structured into three different sections. You can see that. Look, Look at the text. These sections are separated from each other with one word, selah, which is a word that most likely means to pause and reflect. And so in these sections, we're gonna see the refuge of God. We see that in verses one through three. We're gonna see the presence of God in verses four through seven, and then the call of God in verses eight through 11. And then my main point of my sermon this morning, what I would love for you to leave here with is this. In troubled times, believers rely on God's presence And protection. In troubled times, believers rely on God's presence and protection. This psalm assures us that God is with us in any trial. Verse 1 begins with God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The first section of the song gives us this vivid imagery of the destruction of the earth. We have this picture of mountains falling into the sea, earthquakes and tidal waves. What is being described in verses 2 and 3 sounds like an undoing of creation. When God created the world, he separated the waters from the land. And now in this psalm, the land The mountains are falling into the sea. The earth, the solid ground that the Lord had made is now giving way. This is a frightening thought. And due to the age that we live in, we can almost picture what this could look and feel like because of the movies that we've seen and the TV shows that we've watched. This scene reminds me of the movie 2012, which is one of those apocalyptic, end-of-the-world-type movies. The special effects that they use in this film bring about so much intensity. There are scenes where the city of Los Angeles gets hit by a giant earthquake and then is swallowed up by the ocean. There's volcanic eruptions all over the globe, and then eventually this mega-tsunami covers the whole world the effects used to make this film make the unbelievable seem believable. And so thinking about being in a situation where everything that you think is safe starts to crumble around you is frightening. And here the writer of this psalm says that when things like this happen in our lives, when things that we thought were safe start to crumble all around us, we should remember that God is our refuge and strength. The confidence of this psalmist comes from his theology. His confidence doesn't come from the situation or the circumstance that he's in because the circumstance is what is crumbling around him. His confidence comes from his theology. Theology simply means the study of God. But a better de- definition of this is theology is the application of the word of God by persons to all areas of life. And so theology is where we take God word and we apply it to all areas of our lives. His confidence comes from what he believes to be true And so what are those things that he believes to be true? Well, number one, God is our refuge. Here, the psalmist is saying that God is the one whom his people will find protection and stability. Here in the Midwest, one of the biggest natural threats that we have are tornadoes. And when we hear of the possibility of a tornado and the sirens start going off, what do we do? We seek shelter. We look for a place of refuge. And that's normally in the lowest level of our homes, away from windows. Some are even privileged to have underground tornado shelters. And in these places, in these places of refuge, we feel safe, we feel protected. The psalmist is encouraging us to be reminded that God is the refuge of the Christian. But if we're honest, when life gets hard, when stresses come our way, when things get out of control, we often run to a false refuge. When life is stressful, we find comfort In things like food, in drinking, in binge-watching TV shows, we run to our false refuges. We find refuge in our wealth. Some of us find refuge in our own strength. When things get out of control, we run to things that we can control. Another false refuge. When we lose or we fail at something, we look to a false refuge to make us feel significant. We turn the good gifts that the Lord has given us into idols, and we must repent. In the moment, these things seem like they will give us the answer. And if, Maybe, maybe some of us are a little bit more honest. We actually know that they're not going to give us the answer. We know it's only temporary relief, but we still run to that false refuge. There is only one true refuge, and that is God himself. He not only is our refuge, but he also is our strength. When trials and difficulties come our way, We sometimes feel weak and unable to face whatever is before us. But God is our strength. All our strength is in him. And all our strength comes from him. God is our strength. And he's a very present help in trouble. When trouble comes, when we are faced with circumstances That we could never imagine that we would have to go through. God is with us. He is immediately present and available to His people. When you have no words to express because the pain is so unbearable, God is very present and ready to help. Our God is not a distant God, He is a very present God. He is close and he provides help when we need it. And so friends, he is the one to run to. He is the one to cling to. He is the one who will give you strength and the one who will deliver you. And because this is true, when trouble comes and it feels like the end of the world, It feels like the waves are crashing and the mountains are falling. We will not fear. This is the confidence in God confidence in the one who is our refuge and strength and who is with us. Take a look at verse two. Therefore, because God is our refuge, We will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Did you notice the use of the words here in this psalm or in the plural form? Our, we, God is our refuge. We will not fear. These are truths that the church confesses together. And so even if the world as we know it starts to come undone, even if things in our lives in which we thought were unshakable start to shake, we have no reason to fear. God is with us. God is in control. He is our refuge. But this doesn't mean that we push our emotions down and act as if the troubles in our lives are not happening. It means that we face that trial head on, knowing it's gonna hurt, knowing we're gonna feel uncomfortable and we're gonna feel weak. But we face it trusting in our God who has promised to be a refuge and strength. And God will answer, And God will use these difficulties and trials that he sends our way for our good and for his glory. And as a testimony to the watching world, what would those around you think if they saw you being real and honest? If they saw you being broken and sad because of the difficulty that you are facing currently. But at the same time, you testified that God is with you and that your hope and your joy don't come from your circumstances, but they come from who he is. What would they think? Think about what God could do with a testimony like that. I have some friends who are currently in one of the most difficult seasons you could be as a parent. The loss of their daughter. And as they grieve and are sharing the hurt and the brokenness of their situation, they are grieving not as those who have no hope, They are reaching through their pain and clinging on to a greater and richer reality. By faith, they are trusting that their daughter is with the Lord in glory and are now seeking to glorify God as the ground beneath them gives way. God is their refuge and strength. I can see it, and so can the watching world. Around them. So we have seen that God is a refuge to his people. Now take a look at verses four through seven. Here the psalmist directs our attention to the city of God. Our focus is directed up to be reminded of the presence of God in the midst of his people. Look at verse four. It says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. From the roaring and foaming waters in verse three, in verse four, we come to a more peaceful scene of a river uh, flowing through the city of God. Rather than destruction, this river splits off into peaceful streams, bringing gladness and joy to the city. The city of God is a major theme that we see all throughout the scriptures. It refers to God's special city, Jerusalem, but also the new Jerusalem, the final dwelling place of God's people, but it also refers to the people of God all throughout history, the church. The psalmist here is looking beyond the literal Jerusalem. Jerusalem was conquered, but it says here that this city will not be moved. This city is different. Hebrews 12 tells us that if we have been saved by the blood of Christ, if we have embraced Jesus as Lord and Savior, one of the benefits that we have is access To the city where God dwells. You have access to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. We have access to God Himself. And this is amazing grace. This is amazing grace. Why? Because God is holy, He is set apart. And the scriptures say that no one can approach him on their own because of the sin that plagues us all. But the good news of the gospel is that God has overcome this problem of separation between him being holy and us in our sin. God has come and Jesus Christ He has lived a perfect and sinless life and he died on the cross taking the punishment for all who would turn and trust in him. Because of what Jesus has done, those who believe in him have access to God and God is with them. As Christians, we are citizens of this city. Through our union with Jesus, while we live here on earth facing all sorts of evils, through faith in Jesus, we have access to the city and safety is provided. The psalmist is helping us look up to be reminded of the city in which we belong. The people of God are protected by a powerful God who brings joy. There isn't a river that goes through Jerusalem currently. And so we are probably meant to notice this and be directed to a different kind of river. The psalmist isn't talking about geography of the earthly Jerusalem, but of God's presence with the church all throughout history. No matter what difficult circumstances and dangers we are facing, there is a river which brings joy to God's people. In Ezekiel 47, it says that God will make a river that will come out of the temple into the new Jerusalem. And in Revelation 22, John calls this river the water of life. And Jesus says in Revelation 22, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires Take the water of life without price. We have this beautiful imagery of a spiritual river. This is a reminder of the gospel of grace. This is a life-giving river, and this river flows through the city of God through streams. The word used for streams here points us back to Psalm 1. Which speaks of this man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. This man whose delight is in the word of God. And it says that he is like a tree planted by streams of water. Streams of water. The presence and the word of God is what sustains and brings joy to us here and now. The presence and the word of God is what sustains and brings us joy here and now. And so even when we are faced with dangers and suffering, knowing that God is present with us, knowing he has a plan, knowing he will protect and that his grace and mercy is offered to us, it gives us joy, even in our sorrows. There is a river. Whose streams make glad the city of God. But notice the most significant aspect of the city is that God is in the midst of her. It says that she shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The city is safe. The people of God are safe, not because of anything other than the fact that God is within her. Many times the people of God thought that their safety came from the city because Jerusalem was God's special place. They thought the city was their refuge. They thought that the temple was their refuge, but that's not the case. Jerusalem was overthrown. The temple was destroyed. The people of God forgot who their true refuge was. They forgot that their security was in God alone. So the psalmist is reminding the people of God, our strength and joy come from God's presence, God with us. God's presence stabilizes people even when the ground beneath their feet gives way. And the text says that God will help her when the morning dawns. The time cities are most vulnerable to attack are early in the morning. But God never sleeps. He will help and protect us, even in our most vulnerable and weakest moments. In verse six, what will happen when God's peop- what will happen to God's people when the nations rage and kingdoms tumble? Verses two and three, the sea is raging, and the mountains are tottering. And now in verse six. The nations are raging and the kingdoms are tottering. But the people of God are safe. Take a look at the power of God in this verse. In verse six, he utters his voice and the earth melts. The same God who spoke and the world came to be speaks and makes the world melt the power of God. But we also see the judgment of the wicked. These nations and kingdoms refer to those who do not know God, those who have rejected him, who have waged war on his people. God is all powerful and protects his people from their enemies. He speaks and the earth melts. This should give us hope now and hope as we look forward to when the city of God will come physically on this earth. And in verse seven, we have this refrain that will be repeated in verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. He is the Lord of hosts. Hosts refer to his angelic army. He is the Lord Almighty, The Lord Almighty is with us. God being with his people reaches its climax in the incarnation. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is the Lord of hosts who is with us. The Lord of hosts is with us, but he is also the God of Jacob. If you remember Jacob in the Old Testament, he was the one who tricked his brother out of his birthright. And his blessing. Jacob's name means deceiver, but God is the God of Jacob. God chose Jacob. Here we are reminded that he is a God of grace, the God who extends mercy to sinful people like you and me. This God of grace, this God of Jacob, is our fortress, a safe place. Even when the nations rage, even when the kingdoms totter, even when the earth melts. We've been reminded that God is our refuge, that he is with his people. His presence is their security because he's all powerful. And now we look at the last section of the psalm where we, we will see the call of God. Take a look at verses 8 through 11. The psalmist invites us to come and behold the works of the Lord. He is inviting all who can hear to come and behold what the Lord has done. This section of the psalm is looking at the past victories God has given his people over their enemies. But it also looks ahead to the future when God will defeat all his enemies and establish his eternal reign. He has brought desolations upon the earth. He has defeated all who have come after his people. The Lord will defeat all his enemies. The Lord brings salvation to his people. Remember his victory over sin and death through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and although the outcome is peace, the process is judgment. In verse 9, we see a world that is forcibly disarmed. Look at that. In verse 9, he makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Could you even imagine this? He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. All wars over, forever. The only reason for war now is because of sin. War and the violent outcomes of it are not a part of the world that God intends, but one day he will bring an end to war forever. And he will destroy all his enemies and the weapons they used God will establish lasting peace. What a comfort. What a comfort for those who believe in him. And now look at verse 10. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. We often see these words, be still and know that I am and God. We see them on paintings and greeting cards. And this idea we have in our minds is sitting at a cabin overlooking a beautiful, calm lake with a cup of coffee and a Bible in our hand. And yet, in light of these verses, a better picture, a better picture is a couple of teenagers or children fighting over an electronic device in the back of a car. It's my turn. No, it's my turn. All they can think about is themselves and what they want. And as the car drives further down the road, the arguments get louder. And then suddenly, dad pulls over the car and says, be quiet. Be still is not a whisper. God is saying, cease and desist now. Lay down your arms. This is a rebuke. It's first and foremost a rebuke to the nations, but it's also a a rebuke to God's people. He's rebuking the nations, letting them know that the fact that they are coming after God's people They're actually coming after him. And he is saying to them, be still and know that I am God. All your raging has been in vain. It's over. I will be exalted over the nations and in the earth. It's over. It's a rebuke to the nations, but it's also a gentle rebuke to God's people because when the mountains are crashing into the sea and the world the flesh and the devil are coming after us we often run to that false refuge and God is telling us be still stop worrying and start trusting be still and know that I am God no This isn't factual knowledge. God is saying, I want you to know me. I want you to see and love what you see. Trust me. Know that I am God. This psalm is teaching us that we need to learn how to have God as a refuge in our lives at every moment. Whether the world around us is falling apart whether the nations and politics seek to come after God's people, no matter what trials may come into our lives, big or small, God is our refuge. We need to learn to trust him and him alone. We must learn to see God as a place of safety because seasons of life are going to come and they will not be easy whether it's the loss of a loved one, a loss of financial security, maybe your health could decline, you could lose your job, or or just a change of circumstances. And when that bottom drops out from underneath you, he is the only safe place. He will provide the strength to endure the trial. His presence in the midst of the trial will bring you joy in the midst of your sorrow. And ultimately, he will bring an end to violence and war. He will establish peace. He is a stronghold into which we can flee and a source of strength by which we can face the uncertain future. The Lord of hosts, Is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord Almighty is with us. He is with us individually and corporately as the church. He is our refuge and strength. This is the hope of the Christian. And so the question I give you this morning is this Is the God of Jacob your God? Have you turned from your sins and trusted in Jesus? Until you know that, you have every reason to fear the storms that will surely come your way. And you have every reason to fear God's coming wrath on the final day of judgment. But, If you will come to Jesus Christ in faith, receiving him as God's own son and your savior, then God will be with you. God will protect you. And though the earth gives way and the mountains are moved into the heart of the sea, you will not be overcome for God will be your fortress. Find security in God alone. In troubled times, Believers rely on God's presence and protection. Let's pray. God, you alone are our refuge and strength from the struggles we face in this life. Forgive us for seeking refuge in things other than you. Teach us to look to you and to direct others to come and behold your works Help us to trust you more and not to fear no matter what comes our way. And may you be glorified in our lives as we we face our trials, trusting in you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.